turn your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother. And they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Thus sends our reading of God's joyous word. May all who hear it find that they are led into worship of their king. Why is it that we love Christmas so much? I know as a kid, I was always excited about the presents, right? Any, anybody else out there excited about presents? You know, waking up Christmas morning, finding out what treasures have been wrapped with paper and tied up with a bow. When you become a parent, Christmas morning suddenly becomes less about presents and more about the kids, right? About the delight that you get when you see their smiling faces. And as we get even older, it becomes more and more about family. Seeing relatives that we don't see often enough. And yet, this time can get stressful as well. Am I right? So many gifts to buy, so many parties to go to, decorations to put up, food that has to be made, dishes that have to be washed. It can all become a little bit overwhelming. And in the midst of all the, the hustle and the bustle, we can, we can really lose sight of why we are celebrating in the first place. And yet every now and then, December 25th ends up falling on a Sunday, right? And while this can seem like it would just create more of a hassle for us, I believe it's actually a blessing in disguise. 
You see, by, by coming to church this morning, by listening to the Christmas story, you too have been given a sign. No, it is not a visible sign like a bright star in the sky, but it is a sign nonetheless. And this sign is, is pointing you to the, to the true reason that we are celebrating this day. It is a sign that will bring you so much more joy than any of the things that I mentioned before. So let's enter into this tale and join these wise men, these magi, as they follow the sign that was given to them, as they follow that bright star in the sky. But in order for us to do this, we are, we're going to need a little background first, right? For, for our tale comes to us from a gospel, a, a particular kind of book that is intended to give a particular kind of message. And the Gospel of Matthew is often known as the Gospel of the Kingdom, right? And that's because there, there are numerous kingdom themes that are, that are woven into this story. And yet there is one central theme that, that ties all these other kingdom theme, themes together. And that is the theme of a king, right? can't have a kingdom without a king. And no more can this kingly theme be felt in our story this Christmas morning. For we'll be looking at how the king of kings, right? How the king of kings entered into our world. And how his entrance caused, caused a different king to be greatly troubled. And it is through this other king and through the, this king's advisors that, that Matthew, he will highlight for us a, a sharp Contrast between between those who have faith and those who do not. Between those who seek to worship this newborn Prince of Peace and those who, who just find this news of this one who was born King of the Jews to be a bit troubling. Look again at Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. <clears throat> Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Now, the first question we must ask is this. Who were these wise men, right? I mean, typically, we, when, when, when we hear this story, we, we think of the song we just sang, right? We three kings, right? But were these wise men really kings? Most likely, no. The, the, the Greek word that is used here is uh, magoi, and it's where we get our word magi. It means magician or astrologer or maybe a wizard, so to speak. And what Matthew is getting at here is a is actually a specific title that was used in a specific part of the world. For this was the title of those who were the advisors to different kings, right? Different rulers throughout the regions of Persia and Babylon. And we know this because... 
Well, for one, Matthew tells us that these men came out of the east, right? Where, where Persia and Babylon lay. But also the, the, the word magi, that, that was a title that was given to these advisors, to these magicians who served under the kings in both of those nations. Now, the, the, the second problem with, with the song's title, We Three Kings, is, is that there's probably more than three of them, actually. And we, we think of three because of the three gifts, right, that, that, that they brought. But it's very, very unlikely that three men would have traveled such a long distance along. It would have been too risky, too dangerous. No, there, there would have been a whole caravan of these magi and and their servants, those who are serving them as well. Um, and this caravan would have been roughly 30 to 40 people probably entering into Jerusalem. And this is part of the reason why King Herod and as well as all of Jerusalem were troubled, right? I mean, think about it. If, if, if it was just three men, just three strange men that, that wandered into this city, that wouldn't have been such big news. Not in a city like Jerusalem. I mean, they receive visitors all the time. But three magi from the east, yeah, they, they wouldn't have disturbed no one. But, but if you had 30 to 40 men riding in on horseback and with wagons, well, then, then you have something to talk about. And in particular, when you heard what it was they had to say. And what was the question that they asked? Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. I think about this. Magi from the east, they, they came into Jerusalem asking about the Messiah. Now how would they have even known about such a thing? I mean, after all, they, these were not Jews. By all indications, they were astrologers, right? They, they practiced a form of divination, which, which by the way, was, was outlawed in God's word as a form of magic. I mean, by today's standards, they were wizards. Like Merlin or Harry Potter, right? And that being said, they, they somehow knew that this coming king, they knew about him. <coughs> and of his star that appeared in the sky. And by how they framed their question, it seems as if they expected everyone else to know what they were talking about, right? You know, where is he? This one who has been born king of the Jews, where is he? We saw his star in the sky. We've come to worship him. Now, why would they think that the arrival of this king would have been common knowledge? I think we'll find our answer once we discover how they knew. I mean, how did these men from the east, these magi from the region of Persia, how did they know that the Jewish Messiah had been born? You see, what you have to understand is that 600 years prior to the birth of Jesus, the Jews were living in that region. They had been taken captive into Babylon. And it wasn't long after that when, when the Persians invaded Babylon, right? And they, they took over the Babylonian region. 
And many Jews throughout that time served in advisory roles to, to different kings, to, to men such as Nebuchadnezzar or Xerxes, men like Daniel and Nehemiah were advisors to these kings. And guess what? They would have been mingling with magi from the east. And that's because the magi, the magi were the scholars of their day, as well as other advisors to these kings. And, and being an advisor to the king meant that they had to be well-read. They had to be well-versed. And so these men, would, they would have been interested in in, in texts from all regions of the world, including the Hebrew texts. They probably kept copies of the books of Moses in their libraries. And so they would have been familiar with Moses' writings. And so, think about this. They're familiar with the books of Moses, as well as they've been studying the heavens, right? They're astrologers. And so when they discovered this strange new star that appeared over the land of Israel, I'm guessing that at least one of them would have recalled Balaam's prophecy in the book of Numbers, right? Numbers chapter 24, verse 17 says this, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. And so these, these magi, they saw this star rise over Israel, and they knew exactly what it meant. Meanwhile, the Jews who were within Jerusalem, they seemed to be clueless as to what had taken place. They, they were not looking for the Messiah's arrival, and thus they were not prepared. In fact, Matthew tells us what? That they were troubled to hear such news. Particularly King Herod. Now, now here's what you got to know about King Herod. Herod was, was a merciless and paranoid man. You see, he wasn't actually a Jew. He's not a Jew by birth. Yet he had been given the throne over Israel by the Romans. And so technically, yes, he was king of the Jews, but he was not anointed by God. He was rather appointed by Rome. And because of this, he, he continuously thought in his mind that, that others were, were trying to take away his power. He even had some of his own sons killed, thinking that they were after the throne. And thus he gained a reputation for be, being both suspicious and ruthlessly violent. So it's no wonder that, that all of Jerusalem was troubled by the news of the, these magi. For these men had claimed that the, that the messianic king had arrived. That this one from the lineage of David had been born the rightful king. Now, if there was ever a threat to Herod's throne, it was this boy, right? What would Herod do? That's what's going through everyone's mind. What is Herod going to do? Look at, look at verses 4 through 6. 
And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Herod was on the hunt, was he not? Though, though he did not know the scriptures, he had the chief priests and the, and the teachers of the law in his back pocket. And from the prophet Micah, they understood that David's heir would come from the same town that David was born in, from the small town of Bethlehem. And so Herod had learned from these religious scholars where the Messiah was to be born. And thus he sent for the Magi once more. Look at, look at verses 7 and 8. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, for when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. Well, the guile and the craftiness of this Herod he did not let on to these magi his, his disposition, his, his attitude towards the news that they had brought. Rather, he feigned joy in himself, right? A desire to worship this newborn king. And it's through this trickery that he was able to ascertain the, the time of the star's arrival. When did the star first appear in the sky? So as to know the age of this Messiah. And he had hoped that through his great cunning that, that these men from the east would lead him to this child. Would these wise men see through the lies of King Herod? Would they be able to find the rightful king of Israel? Look at verses 9 and 10. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Here again we see that it is the star that comes from God that is now directing their steps. Throughout generations, people have tried to come up with different theories as to what this star was. Many have, have pointed to different astrological events that, that had occurred near the, the time of Jesus' birth. Some have suggested it was a meteor. Others said that the planets were just aligning just right at that time. And then there's this theory that, that it was a star that had gone supernova, burning brighter than all the rest. The problem is... None of these things fit the explanation given in the biblical text, right? For, for this star would have had to rise in the west rather than the east, going against the motion of the earth's rotation. And it, it would also have had to have had last in the sky for a lengthy period of time. Or it would have had to have appeared and then disappeared only to reappear again. You, you see, in order to, to guide these magi, this star would have had to, had to have moved in a more sporadic motion than any 
celestial phenomenon can account for. In fact, the, the theory that we watched in our film last night that this star was actually an angel actually holds more credibility than, than any of these scientific theories that have been proposed to date. For the description that we are given, this, this star was a miraculous event, unexplainable by our natural sciences. And it's best to leave it as such. For this was the star rising out of Jacob, guiding these magi to the king of the Jews. But what else did our text say? That when these wise men, these magi from the east, when they saw the star once again, what did it say? They were overjoyed. They were overjoyed. Think about it. God had, had led them to Jerusalem, but they had not found the king they were looking for, right? Instead, they found a different king. They found King Herod. But now the Lord was directing their steps once more, leading these men to the rightful king, to this young boy whom they were about to meet. And Matthew tells us they were overjoyed. And this is a sign of genuine faith, is it not? Joy in meeting your king. Let me ask you, when you come to church, does it bring joy to your heart? Does it excite you to know that, that you will be in the presence of Jesus? that you will be worshiping him. I mean, how many of you woke up this morning excited about the presence, right? Excited about spending time with family. But maybe you weren't too thrilled. Oh, I got to go to church this morning as well. That this Sunday service was just putting another wrench in your already busy plans, right? You have so much to do, right? And having Christmas fall on a Sunday, oh, that seems more like a curse than a blessing. And yet, if we can't include the worship of Jesus on Christmas morning, then perhaps we should be asking ourselves, why are we celebrating at all? Right? And it's not that those other things are bad. They're not. But what is this day all about? Whose birth are we celebrating? The Magi, they saw the star in the sky, and they were filled with joy. They were overjoyed. And this is a sign of having true faith, finding joy in the worship of your king. Look at, look at verse 11. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. This is now the third time that Matthew uses this word worship in these 12 verses. And we must ask ourselves, why is this? You see, what, what Matthew is doing is he is emphasizing an understanding that these magi have. That this child is, 
is more than just a king. He, he, he is more than just the ruler of the Jews. God has somehow revealed to these men that, that this Jesus is more than just a man. How do they know this? Well, the text doesn't say, right? It could have been through a dream. It could have been through a vision. It's even possible that through their study of the, the Hebrew scriptures that they had determined that the Messiah had to be God. And yet it doesn't really matter how they knew. What is important is that they did know. That they understood who this Jesus was and that they treated him with the honor that he was due. They bowed before him and offered him treasure. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. All worthy gifts of a king. Gold representing the, the wealth and the prosperity that, that this king would bring to his kingdom. Frankincense, the, the, the aromatic oil that, that burned daily at the temple, symbolizing the priestly work that the Messiah would accomplish. And finally, myrrh, both an anointing oil and an embalming oil, communicating that God's hand was upon his son, as well as foretelling of his death, a death that he would have to suffer. suffer. These magi, these sorcerers from the east, they knew God's word and correctly interpreted the sign that God had given to them, which in turn led them into true worship. And Matthew includes such details to bring shame upon unbelieving Israel. I mean, ask yourself, where were the chief priests? Where were the teachers of the law? Those men, they had to have known the scriptures better than these Gentile magicians. Better than these astrologers. And yet God, for some reason, had chosen to reveal these things to those who were far off. To those whom we would least expect And yet Christ remained hidden from those who were near, from those who should have seen the truth. Perhaps you are here today and you are feeling far off. Perhaps you're saying to yourself, I, I just don't fit the, the Christian mold. How could I be close to God? But that's the thing. It's not about us getting close to God. It's, it's about God getting close to us. I mean, that's what the incarnation is all about. That's why Jesus came in the first place. So that those who are far off can enter into God's presence and find acceptance. And that's what happened to these men in the East. God had included them into the story of his son. That's just bewildering, isn't it? And God can include you as well. You are never too far off. God can come to you. He can rescue you. That's why Jesus came, to die for your sins and to rise victoriously from the dead giving new life to those who have faith in him. 
And yet God was not quite finished with these magi. Look at, her, look at our final verse. Look at verse 12. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. These men who were able to interpret the sign in the sky were now given a direct word concerning this Herod, right? God had warned them through a dream about the king's wrath. And for their own protection, as well as for the protection of Mary and Joseph and Jesus, God spoke to these men of the East. God was going to make sure that, that his plan of salvation would not be thwarted by the wickedness of men. And that's just it. God is always about rescuing those who worship him. Even Gentile sinners magicians from the East. Today, you, you live in a world that keeps you very, very active, right? You have, you have many, many distract, distractions. Distractions that can keep you from worshiping your king. Yet in the midst of all of your busyness, God has spoken to you a prophecy of old. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will will rise out of Israel. Brothers, sisters, Jesus has come to you. He was born your king, your shepherd. And this should bring you joy. It, it should set your heart aflame, should it not? Will you bow down and worship him? Listen, we, we have seen in our story three groups of people, have we not? I mean, first we have Herod, the enemy of our Lord, uh, a man who, who knew nothing when it came to the scriptures, uh, a man who no, knew nothing when it came to this prophecy, and yet when this prophecy was brought to him, when, it, when this prophecy found its fulfillment in his lifetime, instead of having joy, he was troubled by the news and devised thoughts of murder within his heart. And then there were those Jewish religious leaders, right? Those who, who knew God's word well, and yet paid no attention to the God who was speaking in their midst. They did not see the sign that God had given to them. It's because they weren't looking for it. And even when this sign was pointed out to them, they cared very little. So they, did, they didn't even trouble themselves to make that short little trip from Jerusalem to Bethlehem in order to see this newborn king. And then we have the Magi, right? These men who recognized the voice of God, even though they were far off. They had chosen to follow the sign, to follow this star, even though it was leading them on a very, very long journey. And yet it guided them to their king. And there, in their joy, they bowed down and worshipped him. So why do some have faith and others don't? What is the difference? I mean, in Herod, we get a picture of a man who, who only cared about one thing, right? Himself. And this led him to a life of cruelty and violence as he refused to let anything or, or anyone, even his own sons, threaten his power. 
And thus he sought to kill the Son of God rather than to bend the knee to his true king. And we have the chief priests, the teachers of the law, those who, who feigned belief, but because of their positions and their knowledge, yet, in fact, it was, it was them. They, they were the ones who knew the city where Jesus was to be born, and yet they were nowhere to be found. The star was showing them the way, yet they refused to go. And so even though they looked the part, even though they had this great knowledge, they had little faith. They cared not to worship their king. Instead, they were caught up with what they considered to be important. And they had apathy towards what was most important. But that's why God chose to reveal his son to these Gentiles from the east to the magi to these practitioners of a forbidden magic <clears throat> and it was to bring shame to these religious leaders of Israel yet what was it that set these magi apart the answer is simple that's my phone isn't it <laughs> so what was it that set these magi apart it's simply that God had opened up their eyes to the sign that he had given. And they believed God's word. God had opened up their eyes to the sign that he had given. And they believed God's word. They saw the star. They, they, they remembered the prophecy from the book of Moses. And they believed. And this led them on a great journey in order that they might worship this newborn king. Because they understood that, that only he could bring them true joy, right? And what joy filled their hearts when that star finally led them to their heart's desire, to this one whom they longed to worship. Dear, 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 dear friends, this, this question now comes to you. Are you looking for that star in the sky? Are, are you trusting in the, in the promise that it brings? Are you trusting in God's word and the promise of God's salvation? And does it lead you into worship? Do you find joy when you are led into the presence of your king? Now is the time to worship. Now is the time to believe. And now is the time to have exceeding joy. For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Let us pray. <clears throat> Father, we thank you for this. Once again, we are, we are reminded of him and and the gifts that he brought to mankind. The gifts that he brought to us. You have shown to us your mercy through this Jesus. And we have seen your love through his sacrifice. Fill us now with your Holy Spirit. Produce faith within us that we might believe such wonderful news. That we might have faith 
and joy. Let our eyes be ever fixed upon your son. May he be the joy of your life. We pray this in his name.